It's the kind of number that makes you think about what really matters to you. And for me, it made me realise that what really matters to me, outside of friends and family and the dog, is reading. Whether that was listening to people read to me, or once I grasped the essentials of reading, controlling the book myself. So this year, I'm planning to talk about 60 books, one a week. I've chosen most of the books already, 10 for each decade of my life. Some are classics, some are very much not classic. And I've chosen them all because in some way or another, they've shaped me, had some form of lasting impact on me, and in many cases, are regular rereads. I hope this will amuse, inspire, and entertain you. Welcome to 60 Weeks, 60 Books. in fact already summer but the warmth took some time to penetrate deep under the ground where the mole had been working very hard all morning spring cleaning his little home first with brooms then with dusters then with a brush and a pail of whitewash till he had dust in his throat and eyes and splashes of whitewash all over his black fur suddenly the mole said oh my aching back oh my weary limbs and he threw his brush onto the floor bother blow hang spring cleaning and the mole bolted out of the house without even waiting to put on his coat scrape and scratch and scrabble and scrooge and up we go up we go ah the mole's snout came up into the sunlight and he found himself rolling in the warm grass of a great meadow. This is better than whitewash. He made his way across the meadow. Just then, an elderly rabbit appeared. Sixpence for the privilege of passing by the private road. Onion sauce, onion sauce, replied the impatient and contemptuous mole. Imagine a young Englishwoman of 23 transplanted from Pakistan to Washington DC in 1967 with her husband and three-year-old daughter. The salary for her graduate trainee husband at the World Bank is not wildly generous and there are limited opportunities for her to work on a diplomatic visa. Stuck at home on a strict budget, the local library is a lifeline, especially when she discovers the spoken word section of the library. She brings home Don Giovanni, Murder in the Cathedral, a selection of Shakespeare plays, and a 1960 adaptation of The Wind in the Willows. Her toddler plays with a stuffed whale, a lunchbox full of Lego, and the matchbox cars her father buys for her, a yellow jaguar, a deep metallic purple silver ghost, while the mellifluous tones of Teresa Stitch Randall, Anna Moffa, Richard Burton, Glenda Jackson, Paul Schofield fill the living room. And then there is wind in the willows. That was my first real introduction to England. 
An England of the sinuous, seductive river, the twinkling eyes of a down-to-earth water rat, an outrageous narcissist of a toad, and the rumbling Scots cadenzas of an irritable badger. I must have demanded to hear Wind in the Willows regularly. I still remember the absolute thrill of my fifth birthday when I was given the double LP for my very own forever. It took me another year or so before I could read the whole book on my own, and it took many more years before I was able to appreciate what is now a chapter that reduces me to tears every time I read it, when Mole and Rat go out one evening to hunt for Portly, one of Otter's beloved brood, and in very purple prose encounter the demigod Pan before finding and restoring Portly to his anxious father. They could see Otter start up, tense and rigid from out of the shallows where he crouched in dumb patience and could hear his amazed and joyous bark. My first memories of the UK are of visits to Cambridge where my parents met, stays in London and when I was about five a trip up to North Wales with my mother and her parents. Age eight my parents sent me to boarding school deep in the Sussex countryside. Buxwood Grange was a Victorian manor, just, built in 1838 with amazing grounds full of mature horse chestnuts, oaks and rhododendrons. It had acres in which we were loosed three or four times a day depending on the season. In 2005 it was converted into flats and there's a video of the property showing the tennis courts which look exactly like the netball courts we used 50 years ago, the panelled hall and staircase and the first floor flat, which I think is a conversion of what might have been the matron's flat and the school sand, where I spent many a long day with aching ears and sore throat. Although school was cold and loveless, a place of deep green linoleum flooring, four-inch baths, dull meals and harsh teachers happy to swipe at young children with rulers, my experience of the English countryside, the long lawns, the woods, the rocks and the sweep of the Ashdown Forest were filtered through a prism created by Kenneth Graham. I think of Buxwood Grange as an archetype for Toad Hall, a Victorian interpretation of Tudor taste, mullioned windows, decorative brickwork, dark varnished wood panelling, the long gravelled terrace at the back where Fodder, Mrs Ford, the headmistress, would survey her charges. Woods around the property seem very wild to a child accustomed to the neat lawns of Washington, D.C., plausibly home to stoats and weasels intent on colonisation, and the railway line between Victoria and Upfield, all too plausibly a place where Toad might have hijacked a train and hurled himself off the driver's engine when pursued by the long arm of the law. My love of the book was cemented one Christmas when my mother brought us tickets to see Toad of Toad Hall, A.A. Milne's stage adaptation of the book. Mole was played by Richard Goulden, the actor who also performed the part in what had become by then my recording. He was wonderful. The play was wonderful, but even better was the moment I met him, for he welcomed his fans at the stage door and showed us his clockwork bear with alternating mechanical arms, holding a cigarette in one hand and a pint in the other. There are so many beloved scenes. Ratty's ecstatic 
wheeling off of the contents of his picnic basket. Cold tongue, cold ham, cold beef, pickle gherkin, salad, french rolls, cress sandwiches, potted meat, ginger beer, lemonade, soda water. And yet the other chaps tell him he's a mean beast and cut it very fine. Then Toad's canary-coloured caravan full of biscuits, potted lobster, sardines, backy here, letter paper, bacon, jam, cards and dominoes. You'll find nothing whatever has been forgotten when we make our start this afternoon. Which poor caravan becomes nothing more than a horrid little cart once Toad has encountered a real-life motor car. The moment... When Mole begins to understand Ratty's thought process from discovering a door scraper to locating Badger's front door, your majestic mind said to itself, door scraper, and did you stop there? No, your intellect went on working. You're simply wasted amongst us fellows, if only I had your head. But as you haven't, replies Ratty, I suppose you're going to sit on the snow all night. My absolute favourite, though, is Dul- My absolute favourite, though, is Dulce Domum, the chapter where Mole rediscovers Mole End, the home he has abandoned for months to gallivant with Ratty, Toad and Badger. Ratty and Mole are plodding along home through the snow after their adventures in the wild wood and their stay with Badger. Mole is thinking a good deal on supper when suddenly the summons reached him and took him like an electric shock. He stopped dead in his tracks, his nose searching hither and thither in its efforts to recapture the fine filament that had so strongly moved him. Home. Mole and Ratty do stop and stay at Mole End. And as his head falls onto his pillow for the first time in many moons, he pauses lets his gaze wander around his bedroom, taking in familiar and friendly things which had long been a part of him and saw how much it all meant to him and the special value of some such anchorage in one's existence. How this resonates. My life has been nomadic. I have had many homes and known many countries. The gift of being raised like this is the ability to create an anchorage quite quickly. With the right people and only a few of the right things around one, all sorts of places can be made homely. But the special tug that Mole experienced, I have only really experienced once with one city and one country that I had to leave 10 years ago. I have been back to visit, but every time I return, leaving becomes a little harder. Like Mole, I do not at all want to abandon my new life, to turn my back on the sun and air of Brazil where we now live, but it is good to think of having a place to come back to. (laughs)